How many of you are snow people? Oh, I'm so sorry. So few. I, I, I've got to tell you, I think it's the most beautiful weather in the world. Um, it, uh, when I walked out this morning and walked down the driveway, I, I just thought, it doesn't get any better than this. And it brings to, it brings to mind the words from, um, from Isaiah. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be made white as snow. Just this sense that God has the ability to clean up all the mess and to do something that only God can do. And that's really, really cool. Um, hey, we're glad you're here. Uh, if you're watching online, uh, I just want to echo what, what Jake said. I'm so glad that you're here. I know we got people out with COVID, got people uh, just concerned about stuff. And um, we're glad that you're able to be with us, um, even though you're not here with us as well. God, um, God's timing is funny, isn't it? Sometimes he does things at different times in different ways that we don't expect at all. So, so last week, uh, you know, I, I told you last week I was with my grandkids. They're in a new place in uh, Massachusetts. They need to make new friends. And I'm preaching that Sunday on what Proverbs says about friendship. That's really cool. So yesterday or Friday, actually, I had an appointment with my financial advisor. And guess what I'm preaching on this week? <laughs> Finances, right? What the Proverbs says about, uh, about finances. Um, is that a coincidence? I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. I think that God in his sovereignty works things out in some really cool ways. He gives us just what we need at just the right time. And my guess is for all of us, um, just after the Christmas season, as the bills start to come, a good many of us need a word from God about how best to handle our finances and our financial health. Um, I, I hope that you'll take some time and really work through today's message. Let me, let me just say this in advance. There's going to be a lot of scripture from Proverbs that's on screen. But if you don't have the app, go ahead and do that and jump into the message because there's more in the app than there is going to be on screen. And um, there's just a lot to kind of work through. We've called this series, Let Me Think. And I hope that you'll spend some time talking to your spouse, talking to your life group, talking to your mentor, talking to a friend about the content of today's message. And that you'll really kind of think through what God might be saying to you about how to use your money, how to, how to use it wisely. The wisdom of Proverbs, it really is timely. It hits us, the, the wisdom of, from God is it's, it's timely. It hits us right where we are. And it's the wisdom of Proverbs is timeless as well. Um, you know, even though it was written now about 3,000 years ago, it's as true today as it was when Solomon uh, shared those words. According to a CNBC report from this past fall, the average American is $90,460 in debt. When you consider their mortgage, their car loans, their consumer debt, all that stuff. 90,000, the average person in America. Some, obviously, a lot, lot more than that. A 2020 study determined that 34%, about a third of all Americans, are financially healthy. They're in good shape. They're saving. They've got emergency fund. They're in good, good place. 52%, half of Americans, are living paycheck to paycheck. They're generally able to pay their bills, but they're doing okay. And that 14%, actually about a sixth 
of Americans are financially vulnerable, meaning that they're in deep trouble financially, underwater, can't pay their bills. They've got the, the creditors calling. Um, I know that those statistics are probably generally true of everybody who's here today. Some of you are in really good shape and you're thinking, oh, this is good. I, we can talk about finances. Some of you are living paycheck to paycheck and it's like, oh, you're going to talk about finances. I'm not sure I want to hear that. And some of you are thinking, why are we even talking about finances? It doesn't matter. I'm so far gone. It, it just doesn't matter. Proverbs, timely and timeless, both. Um, while not everyone sees a financial planner, but, um, Everybody has a financial plan, right? Everybody has an approach that they take to their finances. It may not include spreadsheets and data, uh, pie charts and the stuff that, makes, that, that make actuaries salivate. It may not be that at all, but all of us have hopes and dreams of what our financial future will look like. Reading from Proverbs, from the wisdom that was passed down from who scripture describes as the wisest man who ever lived just makes sense. So that's where we're going today. Um, managing our financial resources is about more than achieving the American dream. It's about more than acquiring wealth. It's about more than preparing to buy a house or to send your kids to college or to be prepared for retirement. If we're serious about following Jesus, about living for him, Managing our finances and our financial resources, that has to grow out of our relationship with God and our dependence on him. Um, like last week, I, I want to give you one big principle, one kind of principle that you, when you're flying at, at uh, 35,000 feet in the plane and you look down, there's one overwhelming principle I think comes out of Proverbs that I, wa that I want to talk about first. And then I want to give you three um, real practical nuts and bolts kinds of things that fit. And all of this out is, is out of Proverbs. You'll see it over and over again. Um, those principles, I think that you can you can put into place, whether you're preparing for retirement, whether you're kind of in midlife and working through things, whether you're a young adult, whether you're a teen trying to figure it out, these are things that we can all do. Here's the principle, the big principle that if you don't get anything else out of the message, take this away. Your worth is not measured by your wealth. Your worth is not measured by your wealth. That's not what our culture says, right? Our culture says our value, our, whether we're successful or not, that's determined by all of the stuff that we have, the things that we can buy, and our ability to, uh, to do that. Um, what is it that makes you a success? Uh, it's not what you have, where you go on vacation, the kind of car you drive, how much money you have. Listen to the words of Solomon. Proverbs 22.2. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. Uh, you may have heard the expression, everyone's level at the foot of the cross. The same thing is true financially. It doesn't matter whether you have a lot or little. God is the maker of all of us. He is in, in control of all of us. Proverbs thirteen seven says, one pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor yet has great wealth. How's that fit into this concept of um, our, our worth is not determined by our wealth? You can look around at people and say, oh man, they drive those cars. They wear those clothes. They've got it all together. They're doing really, really well. And Proverbs tells us 
that may not be the case at all. And you may look at somebody else and think, can't they at least buy a new shirt? They've been wearing that same shirt for the last 30 years. Um, and they may have all kinds of resources, right? Our worth is not determined by our wealth. Uh, Proverbs 28, 11 says, the rich are wise in their own eyes. One who is poor and discerning sees how deluded they are. We think that if we have a lot in the bank account, that, that we're pretty smart, we're pretty good, we've done pretty well. And oftentimes, somebody with a lot less says, man, you're chasing after wind. It's not gonna matter at all. What did Jesus say about our worth and wealth? Jesus said, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? It's not gonna matter. If our worth isn't determined by our wealth, what's, um, what's better than, than, than being wealthy? It really is simple. It's knowing Jesus. It's, it's understanding who he is, allowing him to have con <coughs> excuse me, control of your life, giving yourself to him. Proverbs, written a thousand years before Jesus was on the scene, um, wasn't able to point to Jesus, but Proverbs gave the, gives us some very clear direction on what's better than wealth. Listen to this. Um, Proverbs 15, 16. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. What's better than wealth? Fearing God. Understanding who he is. Um, his power, his majesty, and his love for you. Proverbs 22, a good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. What's better than wealth? A good name. A good name is better, more important, more lasting than making that deal, than having that money in the bank. Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold? To get insight rather than silver. What's better than wealth? Being wise. Being wise. That's why it's so important to be in, the, in, the, in Scripture, in the book of Proverbs particularly. We've challenged you to read a proverb a day. Just keep doing that day after day after day after day. And the wisdom that comes from Solomon will begin to get in your head and in your heart and change the way that you live. Proverbs 28, 6. Better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and rich. What's better than wealth? Honesty, integrity. Don't lose sight of what really matters and what's really important. That's the guiding principle when you think about gathering wealth. That, that, that overwhelming principle that, that I just want you to not lose, your worth is not determined by your wealth. I say that in particular, I think, to men, because you tend to think, man, I don't know if I have really done all I could do, if I don't know if I've been successful because I only have this much. Your worth is not determined by your wealth. It really is driven by your relationship with Jesus by your integrity, by your good name, by the wisdom that you can share with your family and your friends. 
Um, let, me, let me jump into um, some principles some, that you can begin to live out, uh, starting with some cautions that are there in Proverbs. Here's the first caution I want to give you as I study through the book of Proverbs and, and just try to look at everything that it said about, uh, about finances and financial health. The first is this. Trusting in wealth is a bad investment. Trusting in wealth is a bad investment. If you've got the app open, be sure and, and key that in so that you've got it and can talk about it later. Trusting in wealth is a bad investment. We think that if we just have enough in our bank account, if we just have enough invested, that we're going to be in control and we're going to be able to handle anything that happens, right? If I just have enough, no matter what happens, everything's going to be okay. Does COVID check your net worth? Does cancer care if you're rich or poor? A million dollars in your account will not prevent a heart attack. Trusting in wealth is a bad investment. Proverbs 11 verse 4 says this, Riches won't help on the day of judgment, but right living can save you from death. Riches won't help. Do you, do you realize that when we stand before God, God is not going to ask any questions about how much we acquired here on earth. He, we are, I think we are going to have a conversation about what kind of steward we were. But God's not going to care more about people who had a lot than he did people who had a little. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, He who leans on and trusts in and is confident in his riches will fall. But the righteous who trust in God's provision will flourish like a, a green leaf. That's the Amplified version. I, I've told you before, I love the Amplified because it fleshes out the various meanings of, of words that are there. He who leans on and trusts in and is confident in his riches will fall. When we put our hope in what we have, in what we acquire, it's, it, it, it will not last. It will not hold us together. Proverbs 23 verses four and five say, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. I love that. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Over the last several years, we've lived in an economy that has just continued to grow and, uh, and increase. If you've got investments, they've done really well the last few years. But do you remember 2008? Do you remember 2008? In a very short period of time, it didn't, it didn't matter where you had your money, in real estate, in investments, whatever, all of a sudden it went from up here to way down here real quickly. I love, I love Proverbs 23, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. It, it, it doesn't last. Second caution that I discovered in Proverbs is this. The quick win won't last. I, I, I'm always surprised at the number of people who think that their one idea, one project, one job promotion, one stock selection, one lotto ticket away from financial success. If I can just do that one thing, everything's gonna be better. And they chase after that quick win. We hear stories of people who experience instant success and we love them and we want that to happen to us. Hear me in this, rarely 
Rarely does that ever happen. Instant success usually comes after years and years of failure and rejection and hard work that seems to be coming to nothing. All of a sudden, then they experience instant success and it's not instant at all. Don't chase the quick win. Proverbs 13, 11 says, wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Proverbs 21, 5, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Proverbs 28, 8. Whoever increases wealth by taking, uh, um, let me, let me uh, before I jump into 28.8, let me, let me just share this for a second. Uh, no, I'll, I'll go there. Sorry, my brain is uh, there. Whoever increases wealth by taking interest or profit from, po- from the poor amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. You can, there, there are a lot of different things that you can pursue to get rich quick. There, there are deals that you can do, the uh, corners that you can cut in your job to make more profit for your business. There are things that you can do in the office to position yourself so that you get that promotion, you, you make more money, you do all those things. They will not get you what you want. They will not do um, what God can do through consistency and integrity. You can get rich quick by gouging people who are poor or um, maybe not as educated. You can do that. It will not last. The money that you gain from those deals, from that influence, from those things that you do will not last. Proverbs 27, 12 says this, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Oftentimes when you're pursuing um, wealth quickly, you just keep plowing ahead, plowing ahead, plowing ahead, and it won't provide lasting wealth lasting prosperity. Um, Proverbs 28, 22. I love what Solomon says. The stingy are eager to get rich and are unaware that poverty awaits them. If you think that you're going to acquire um, wealth, that, that you're, that you're going to gather financial means by hoarding it, understand that it's not going to stay in your hands. That's not the path. Um, Proverbs 28, 25 says, an arrogant and greedy man stirs up strife. An arrogant and greedy man. When you try and get rich quick, it ends up causing all kinds of division and brokenness in your world. He who trusts in the Lord will be blessed and prosper. Um, Can I give some real practical advice about this that I think is appropriate for our culture today? Um, don't buy lottery tickets as your retirement plan. I know that I know that, that sounds so true, so self-evident. But don't buy lottery tickets. Don't go to a casino and gamble thinking that you're going to be the one who can get rich there. The likelihood that you'll win is minuscule. I know what you're say, I, I know what you say. You're saying there's a chance, right? There's always going to be a chance. And I just want to be there in case, in case that happens. There's also a high probability that you're never going to see that money again. The money that you spend on those things, are, it, it just vanishes. 
Uh, I know that some of you say, oh man, I just do it for fun. It's fun for me to play those numbers. It's fun for me to, to go to the casino. Whatever. That's, just a, that's my entertainment money. It doesn't really hurt anything. As your pastor, as your friend, can I give you a challenge? If that's your entertainment money, if that is kind of exciting for you, you can get a lot more entertainment and be a lot more excited by taking that exact same money and giving it away to someone, to giving it away anonymously or directly to that single mom who's struggling to take care of her kids. By, by taking that exact same money that you spend on a lotto and having it to be able to give to somebody in your life group when they're in a crisis, when they need new tires on their car, when, and they don't know how they're going to do it. You can, you, can get that same, you can get that same rush emotionally by coming on Sunday morning and having a 10 or a 50 or a 100 or whatever, a 5 in your hand and shaking hands with somebody and just giving it to them. You can get that same rush by going to Meyer and paying, paying on the person behind you on their grocery bill as they're checking out. You will benefit and they will benefit and your money's going to be gone anyway, right? It's the exact same result as if you, as if you play the lotto, as if you gamble. Um, Proverbs says, money that you, that you acquire when you're trying to get rich, if you do win, it's going to evaporate. It's just going to go away. So that's my, that's my second caution. Don't pursue get-rich-quick schemes. Third caution is this. Borrowed money enslaves. Borrowed money enslaves. There's a wise saying that says, the things that we own end up owning us. You buy a particular thing. You buy a boat and the boat owns you, right? As soon as you, what's the saying? The second best day of my life was the day I got my boat. The best day was the day I gave my boat away. You know, I sold my boat. Because all of the stuff that it takes to maintain that, those things that we own end up owning us. And hear me in this. If we borrow to own those things that own us, we are doubly enslaved because we pay more than their worth, more than their value, and we have to work and, 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 are, and are just captured and enslaved by those things that we buy. Proverbs 22, 7 says this. Write this down. Mark it in your Bible. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. A few weeks ago in, in December, I was sitting at home. It was actually while well, I had COVID and, and um, one of my sons called and he called and I could hear some anxiety in his voice. And he said, he said, um, dad, I just need to talk to you. I said, okay. He said, I'm at, at a car dealership and I took a new car for a test drive. Um, and I said, oh, um, and began to ask some questions. And he told me about this car that he was looking at. And I said to him, hey, here's the deal. Understand that you can buy the car. You know, you're a grown man. You can do whatever you want. You can buy the car. But as soon as you buy that car, that car will own you for the next five to seven years. Because he didn't have the money to pay cash for it, obviously. Um, I, I, as we're talking, I said, understand that if you do that, it will eliminate all kinds of choices that you want to exist in your world right now. It will eliminate your ability to ever move back to Michigan. It will eliminate uh, the ability for you to get a different job. You don't really like your job. Now it pays well. 
but it's just a job. You will be stuck to that job in order to pay for the car. What we own owns us. And when we become a borrower, we become a slave to the lender, Proverbs says. Um, there's, a, there's a corollary in scripture, in Proverbs, to, to this whole idea of borrowing. I, and I know, I, man, oh, I just wish, I wish we could have, watch the podcast this Tuesday and send lots of questions because this is something that I know there are lots of questions. I've got to borrow for this. I've got to borrow for that. We've got to borrow to understand the truth of scripture and apply it in your life and see what God does through that. There's a corollary to this concept of the borrower being slave to the lender that's found in Proverbs, and it's this. Here's the caution that comes with this. Don't co-sign for the loan of another person. Listen to what Proverbs 22, 26, and 27 says. Don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else. If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you repossession of your stuff because you guaranteed someone else's loan. Proverbs eleven fifteen. whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer, but whoever refuses to shake hands in pledge is safe. You understand what it means to co-sign a loan. When you co-sign a loan, it, it says, I will guarantee that this person will pay that. I trust them. I believe in them. Um, about um, uh, probably 35 years ago, 40 years ago, we had a good friend who was in his mid-20s. And, and this truth from Proverbs came alive to me in a way that, that um, Scripture sometimes does where it just hits you in the face. He co-signed a loan for his brother for a brand new car. And about six months into a five, six, seven-year loan, I don't, I don't remember the details of that, but about six months in, the brother wrecked the car total a brand new car. Um, the uh, insurance company, this is what happened back then, the insurance company sent a check to his brother for the value of the car. And the brother bought a new car and quit paying on his loan. And my friend, for the next five years, paid this, uh, and this is in early 1980 money, paid, I think, $400 a month for five years because his brother had skipped on the loan and he had co-signed. That's a, that's a family member. The truth from scripture, from Proverbs is real. Be really, really careful about co-signing on loans. Um, what do, you, what do you do if you're in debt? I, you know, just looking out, I can see in some of your eyes, you're thinking, uh, don't, don't talk about this. What do, you, what do you do if you're in debt? Um, sell everything you can and pay off your debt. Sell everything you don't need. Live more simply and begin to pay on that. Um, I'll, I'll, at the end of the message, I'm going to tell you about a, a, a class, a group that we have coming up uh, that's getting ready to start in a few weeks that can help you with that. But that's, that's the principle. Pay off so that you no longer are enslaved um, to, to, the, to the person who loaned you the money. Can I, can I share with you a really, really cool story about the freedom that comes when you free yourself from debt? 
Um, since 2004, when this building was built, it has allowed us to minister and grow and uh, touch a lot of lives here in the DeWitt, mid-Michigan area. In 2006, after this was built in 2004, we purchased 13 acres that direction of farmland, thinking that that would be a great ministry tool for us in the future. Since then, since that time, we've been paying about $135,000 a year to the bank for the loan that included the auditorium, this, this part of the building, and, um, and the, the 13 acres of farmland. In 2014, we still owed $1.25 million on the facility and the farmland. It was scheduled to be paid off in, in 2027. Because the people of North Point have been faithful givers, we've been able to be very consistent in our payments. We've, ha- we've been able to um, oftentimes pay extra on that loan. A couple of years ago, we did the all-in all offering, and a lot of you gave to that to help eliminate that debt. Um, about five years ago, we learned that to develop that farmland was going to be incredibly costly. Um, it really made it prohibitive in terms of being able to do anything there. And the recommendation of our finance team and the elders at that time was to sell the land if ever we were able. Um, because it was so expensive to develop, it, just, it, it didn't make sense to just retain it if we ever had that chance. About 18 months ago, uh, through a chain of events that were either coincidental or the hand of God, we got connected with a neighbor who wanted to make sure that that farmland remained um, farmland and that it was never developed. And so we began to talk. Uh, This past summer, we had a survey done so that we could subdivide the land so that we could retain the part of the land that we use for the community garden, but sell the rest of the the land that has been farmed. Um, if you were here at Christmas time for the walkthrough, you walk back that path towards the garden, some really cool space that, that we're able to keep. This past Wednesday, we closed on the deal of selling 11 acres of the 13 acres of farmland. Um, and, uh, and it was really a God thing through the whole process. As we've prayed about and considered uh, this, this land sale over the time, the, the question was, okay, what do we do with the money that comes from that? And the consensus of both the finance team and the eldership was to say, we need to pay off that debt. We need to free up that money. On Thursday, we were able to take the proceeds of the land sale and apply it to our loan, and we currently owe less than $54,000 on, on loan. Um, it's, it's uh, from 1.25 to 54,000. So let me, let me just say this on a side note. Um, if you want to give to help uh, eliminate the rest of the debt, there's actually a tab on the electronic giving that you can put debt elimination. And um, if you want to give over and above your regular giving to do that, feel free to do that. If you want to find me after the service and write a check for $54,000, <laughs> that would be great. Or call me if you're online. All right. Um, that would be outstanding. Why does it matter? Why does it matter that we pay that off? Because as soon as that last check is written, it's going to free up over $11,000 a month, $135,000 a year for ministry. It's not going to go to the bank anymore. It's going to, it's going to be used by God to minister here locally around the world. It's going to allow us to do things in the facility that we haven't been able to do. 
because the borrower is the slave to the lender. We've, we have been, we've been bound by that payment for the last 20 years. And being free of that is just incredibly, incredibly exciting. Um, that story, it really does lead me to the, to the last word I think that's there in Proverbs, the last encouragement in financial wisdom that comes there. It's this, be generous, be generous. Generosity reflects the heart of God. Um, and, I, and let me just say this, in your generosity, I would encourage you to give first to God, give first to God, and then to the needs that you're aware of that exist in your world. Hear me in this, in this whole concept of being generous, wherever you are financially, if you're retired on a fixed income, be generous. If you're a teenager, just with your first job, be generous. If you're, um, if you're young adults just getting started, be generous. If you're midlife and, and you're sorting through all the saving that you need, be generous. It doesn't matter where you are, be generous. Um, uh, start now. Maybe uh, even if you're in debt, Start to be generous in little ways. Um, North Point is filled with generous givers. So I, I don't think that we've shared this. Uh, another thing, our Christmas offering, um, but we haven't talked about how that ended up. Our Christmas offering was uh, right at $12,000. So uh, we'll be writing a check this week for $6,000 to House of Promise and $6,000 to Compassion International. That's a really cool thing, an expression of the generosity of you. And, uh, and, and that's so cool. Listen, um, listen to what Proverbs eleven twenty five says. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Here's the amplified version. The generous man is a source of blessing and shall be prosperous and enriched. He who waters himself uh, will himself be watered. He who waters will himself be watered, reaping the generosity that he has shown. Jesus said, give and it'll be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Be generous. Proverbs 22, 9 says, he who is generous will be blessed for he gives some of his food to the poor. Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. This is not a message on tithing. Um, I, you know, I've, I've preached on that before. I believe in it. Deb and I do that. Um, but let me just encourage you, give to God first. That's that concept of first fruits. Proverbs 13, good people live, leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. Be generous. Be generous with your kids. Be generous with your grandkids. Be intentional so that you can do that even into the future. Um, I, I mentioned before, we've got a class that's starting in just a few weeks called the Rock Solid Financial Class. It's a six-week group um, that's led by a couple here at North Point um, that's going to teach uh, all the stuff that you need. It's going to teach about budgeting and debt elimination and savings and honoring God with, with our finances. If that's, that, that's a great place to start to help get you back on track. Um, so... Friday morning, I met with our financial advisor. And uh, you know what I discovered? For the last 
40 years we've tried to save. We've tried to avoid consumer debt, to not put stuff on the credit cards that we couldn't, that we couldn't pay off. We've given at least a tithe, 10% of our income back to God's kingdom through the churches where we've been able to serve. We've strived to be generous and to hold our finances with open hands, intentionally stretching ourselves so that we wouldn't be greedy or try to be part of get-rich-quick plans. There have been times that we've had to trust God completely to pay bills that we had no money for. It's not been easy. We've never bought a new car. We've never borrowed money to buy a used car. And as a result, we've driven a lot of junkers over the last 40 years. Most of our vacations for the last 35, 40 years of our marriage were to visit family. For a lot of years, an expensive night on the town for the Rubel family meant going to McDonald's and renting a movie and bringing it back to watch. Each year when I meet with our financial advisor, I am humbled because God has blessed us immensely. The principles he allowed Solomon to recognize and to pass along in the book of Proverbs, they work. Send your questions. They work. If you want to live well, if you want to think right, put these principles into practice. Hear me, they'll work without Jesus, but living with Jesus, allowing him to help you through the valleys makes all the difference in the world. There is no one like him to walk with you on your financial journey. If you don't know him, there is no better day than today to say, Jesus, I'm a mess. My life is a wreck. I've made a mess of it. Would you come in and fix me first? Would you come in and give me your forgiveness? Would you change my heart? And then would you help me deal with the whole financial stuff after that? How to live well and think right from Proverbs. Let's pray. God, I, I, um, I just thank you that you care so much about us that you don't leave us to just flounder and to try and make our own way without any direction. God, I thank you for Solomon sharing the truth that you gave him, the wisdom that's there about finances. God, I thank you for so many people who are here at North Point who have been faithful and understand this and get it. God, and I thank you for the work that you're doing even right now in a lot of people's hearts to say, I, I want that, help me. God, free your spirit, your Holy Spirit, to do the work that only you can do. Draw us to you. God, help us to know you and love you and live out um, what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.